Blog Talk Radio. We are the UR Tennis Network. Our mission is to be the voice of tennis. We enlist a team of passionate enthusiasts to promote our sport. We strive to bring interesting perspectives on the many spins of tennis. Our goal is to provide the learners of our sport with current news and information from many angles. We seek active participation from communities interested in tennis, but tennis is not interested in them. We are expanding our outreach. Tennis is a true lifetime sport that needs to be talked about, and the UR Tennis Network pledges to pursue this idea relentlessly. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey with our mentors. This Tennis is a wonderful sport, which can be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors can provide the roadmap for your journey. Each week, I will be interviewing those tennis coaches who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. They have authored books and papers on tennis and continue to give back today. Who are these mentors? Well, each week you will hear on Thursday, the first Thursday of the month is Alan Fox. The second Thursday is Coach Chuck Reese. The third Thursday is Dr. John Murray, and the fourth Thursday is Scott Williams. And on the fifth Thursday, when that happens, well, stay tuned and see who joins our mentors. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball Network CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our tennis network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are missing out on useful information. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is that if you can't tune in live on Tuesday to Lisa Stone and her parent aces, or on Wednesday to Chuck Reese and his American Tennis, you can listen at any time you choose. The truth is, I don't think I've, well, I haven't missed many of Chuck Reese's broadcasts, and maybe I've only seen one or two of them uh, live, so... Uh, that's the value of Block Talk Radio. And because I believe Dr. King when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis, and naturally you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. The Almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my views in Florida tennis. Now in its 25th year, this past edition, which I have two articles in, is in their 25th year. Wow. And as I have previously expressed, if you disagree with what I write or what you hear on the network, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net that's coach denise d-a-n-i-s-e period f-h-s t-c-a 
at att.net. Who knows? I may even share your views. As a matter of fact, in uh, this issue of Florida Tennis, uh, you will see a couple of views I did. Uh, I heard uh, from a gentleman from Great Britain and a young lady from uh, uh, Germany who stated that I should be uh, content with high school tennis. In Europe, they don't have sports. So I will share your views. Uh, You don't have to agree with me. Remember, if you're not subscribing to Florida Tennis or someone has taken the last copy of Florida Tennis from the pro shop, you can always read the last issue on our FHSTCA.org website. And you can also find my articles under the resource section. Besides Florida Tennis celebrating its 25th anniversary, uh, and like I said, you can go right to the homepage where you'll see all our mentor websites uh, appear. And when Florida Tennis appears, if your magazine is missing from the pro shop, uh, just hit that button and uh, you will be able to uh, view the last issue. Jim Bartz, by the way, was the 2017 Delray Beach Tribute Award recipient last week. Uh, You don't have to, uh, hopefully you'll have it in uh, our next issue of Florida Tennis, but if not, you can go to the Florida Tennis uh, Facebook site and uh, find the information there. I also want to thank Jason Haynes. He was the founder of our network, and unfortunately, uh, he's going through some tough times now. His son, Seath, uh, has been in our prayers for a few weeks. He is recovering from being hit by a car, and um, he seems to be doing better, but it's going to be a long haul, and uh, we'd like to uh, keep Jason and the family in our prayers. We also need to thank Wilson Tennis for over 100 years in sports. I must say that I've seen about two, over two-thirds of that, and uh, I wish I could be around to see uh, the next 100 years. You know it's going to be exciting. We need to thank District 15 NJTL, now in its 20th year of providing tennis programming, and Flagler Insurance. Uh, Boy, have they been a supporter for us uh, for our all-star tournament. And uh, they understand that our future leaders are now in high school. Uh, Proud to have Flagler Insurance joining us and being as supportive as they are. And, of course, Team Connection Tennis, our official clothier for the FHSTCA. They remind us all the time that tennis fuels life. I told you that uh, we know today's the first um, Thursday of the month, and that means Alan Fox is there. But I learned about, well, just about an hour ago, unfortunately, Alan Fox will be going uh, through uh, surgery tomorrow, and he will be... uh, He is now uh, meeting with his uh, surgeon. He assures me that he'll be up and everything will be good 
for uh, next month when he's on. Uh, but let's keep him in our prayers. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, I know he's going to be uh, around for our next uh, broadcast, but let's keep him in our prayers. I do, I talked before about the fifth Thursday that we bring a mentor in on those days. Uh, the Almighty does work in uh, strange ways, and I've had conversations with our guest tonight um, who has uh, was scheduled to be on the fifth Tuesday, fifth Thursday, I'm sorry, in June uh, to discuss uh, his uh, uh, Raise the Bar uh, book that he has in his uh, programming. Uh, I think I see him on now, but before I bring him in, I do want to uh, say a few words. He uh, uh, received a phone call less than an hour uh, from me. Uh, He has agreed to give us at least 20 minutes or so of his valuable time. But I hope I'm pronouncing his uh, name right. I know we've uh, we've had a few conversations uh, in the past, uh, mostly about his, uh, well, one of his books, uh, but Roger Gavurla, I believe it is, and uh, please uh, correct me when you come on so that people know. He is the author of Winning Entrepreneurship, of uh, Your Raised the Bar Primer Mental Performance Tools Workbook, and, and Entrepreneurial Thinking Tools Manual. Uh, he pl- applies six years of practical uh, leading ed research uh, process for a high performance pyramid winning mental pyramid uh, coaching. And he, uh, we've had discussions about college and uh, high school because he is a uh, former high school coach. Uh, he's uh, very athletic. He's a professional speaker, an author, a coach, an advisor, a consultant. And uh, let me see. Roger, are you on? Uh, yes. Hey, Coach Dennis. It's a pleasure I'm being sure here. You did actually say my last it. name right. Excuse me? You did Was actually I say my last name right. Oh, wow. How do you like that? I'm the world's yes. worst at uh, pronouncing uh, names. Uh, I love watching the pro events. My, I struggle with all the uh, names. Uh, Raj Gavrilla. Good. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience before I get into a few questions? And first, I want to sincerely thank you from our last conversation, which was, what, less than a week ago, and uh, we were uh, scheduled to be on the fifth week of uh, June. Uh, here you are uh, this evening, and I really do appreciate that. Well, you're quite welcome. Uh, to introduce myself, uh, I think you did pretty well, but uh, real succinctly, I work with businesses, organizations, and teams that want to transform their performance and or entrepreneurial leadership in business, work, sports, and life. And uh, I know that we're going to be talking about tennis, 
So I'll focus my conversation on tennis. And as we talked uh, before, uh, and I don't think uh, I'm putting words in your mouth, I think we agree. Uh, Of course, I have a bias with tennis, but I think tennis more than others, but all sports uh, can be that vehicle that helps you get through life's journey. Uh, and I think that's the important thing of uh, of sports and those people that participate in sports. Uh, do you agree with that? Would you like to add anything, or you know, welcome to disagree with me? Oh no, no, definitely. I think that that's uh, right on. And in fact, I think that regardless of what level tennis you're at. And regardless of what you do for a living, you are a much more holistic person than what it is that one thing you do. In fact, all of those other things are like your support system. So, for example, uh, you know, someone like Roger Federer, who's a professional tennis player, well, that's his main thing. But believe me, if things aren't going well with his relationships, with his team, with at home, in, in his business ventures, etc., that's going to affect his tennis. So he has to have the right support services uh, in order to do that. And so for uh, other people, uh, it plays a different role because they may not be at a But in a way, it still uh, plays a role as far as health and exercise and camaraderie and making friends. And if they're competitive, then uh, playing at the high school level and playing and maybe getting a scholarship in college and uh, maybe be an aspiring pro. So there's there's uh, definitely a lot of truth to that. I, I agree. As a matter of fact, uh, my uh, comments at the end was going to be talking about Tim Tebow, who was just in our recent paper uh, because he's going for uh, baseball, and, uh, and I think he uh, subscribes to what you said. Talking about high school uh, tennis, which, as you know, I – uh, I do believe that uh, I don't understand truthfully uh, why tennis uh, doesn't go through the high schools uh, to go on to the pros and uh, Division One college play like uh, the other sports do. And uh, I, although I spent uh, eight years on the USTA Florida Board of Directors, uh, I've uh, I've never convinced them that uh, this should be. What is your, can you tell us a little bit about what your experience of playing high school tennis was like? Uh, Yes. Uh, For me, I was really looking forward to it. I played three sports in high school, and tennis being one of them, and uh, football and and soccer, I went to practice, and, uh, you know, I enjoyed becoming a better football player, learning how to do that, practicing to do that as well as soccer player. However, when I got to tennis, it was our varsity basketball coach who taught civics or government who basically just drove us in a van to different matches, and we really didn't have practice, and that was really disappointing to me because I was looking forward to getting the instruction to become a better tennis player. Uh, fortunately, we did have several players. Uh, I wasn't one of them, but uh, we had several players who were ranked in the state. I think we had three. And uh, we did go one year pretty far uh, in the state tournament, but uh, 
were defeated, but th- that, that was my experience. And and I really agree with you, just like all the other sports, I think tennis should be taught and practiced at the high school level. I believe that that would bring uh, uh, more people to the college level, and I don't really understand why it is not. Yeah, well, I don't What I hear is because the way it is, but – uh, I think the USTA does a great job with recreational uh, tennis and bringing people into the sport. Uh, but uh, I, I think that, and of course, this is what we try to do with the show and with the FHSTCA is, uh, is, is get, help the coaches make the learning curve sooner than it was for most people. Uh, uh, hopefully, in my 20 years of coaching high school uh, tennis, uh, people say, how did you do that so long, coming from being a uh, high-performance uh, tennis coach to coaching uh, high school? Uh, uh, well, the truth of the matter is is because I had an outstanding athletic director who was determined uh, to live through my mistakes and uh, sit there and make tennis a priority in the uh, school and uh, get more tennis courts there and the things that we did. Uh, so what we appreciate, and I think uh, you being here tonight is something I've talked about often. When you get the good coaches, they really are willing to share. And I always tell the young coaches, uh, ask and uh, if you have any questions, even if you're competing against that coach, and if they have a little experience, talk to them. Ask them. You'll be surprised. Most of them will help you. They're all not going to, uh, in uh, half an hour, if you get a call, <laughs> go on a broadcast like you are. We're really going to appreciate it. But the good coaches are the coaches that make themselves available. And uh, I think there's uh, – I've said all the time, uh, you know, I can't give credit enough to all the people. Most of the stuff I talk about is all stuff I've stolen before. So uh, you mentioned college tennis. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to some of our recent uh, broadcasts, but uh, in January there was a lot of talk about college tennis going downhill and college tennis the better players are not going to go through college no more, which is counter to what I've written in Florida tennis, but everybody's entitled to their own broadcast. And uh, some of the discussion is about, you know, how much time they take away from practice. The coaches aren't allowed to practice as much. But there seemed to be an awful lot of uh, discussion about uh, the scoring. Do you have any opinions on uh, the scoring of college tennis? Yeah, I, I do not like the the new scoring system. I really believe that keeping the deuce and uh, the add and uh, having the game go back and forth actually adds to the the uh, suspense and and the and the value of the tennis match. And additionally, it prepares the players if they are an aspiring pro, to uh, know how to get there. Uh, so that's uh, that's just something that uh, is a little off to me. I, I like it 
the way it is. However, I know in college football, they basically keep the score the same way, but if they go into overtime, then they change the scoring system. So that may be a way to compromise. Um, and uh, I'm not really sure exactly how you do that in tennis, but that may be able to make uh, everyone happy, but I'm not sure. But if they're not able to do that, I would keep it the way it is. Well, uh, I think I agree with you, and I I like your idea, actually. It's, you know, overtime, because it seems to be we're worrying about saving time. And, of course, one of the things that I uh, think and that what I've heard, and it makes sense to me, is that we've taken away too much practice uh, time the coaches aren't uh, are given the amount of time that uh, for practice as necessary, which of course brings us to another uh, question. And we're always supposed to be looking out for the safety of the, uh, uh, the student athlete. Uh, but as one of my uh, guests uh, stated, who a very respected uh, Hall, college Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, Yes, they did. Uh, the colleges no longer give a damn about the athletic, athletes, which shook me. But what do you think about uh, uh, it's better to practice tennis with independent drills or is comp- comp- competition better or, or, or is, do we find a better mixture? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that you need to do a combination of, of – uh, these three things. One is you need independent drill practice, and I find that not enough people are able to do that because that's how you get to hone it, and that's how you get to what I do as a performance coach uh, as far as performance consulting, performance coaching with my tennis players, is that's where you also are able to understand what their thought process is and what they think versus just the tactical side. Uh, I have partnered with a tennis pro who's in Spain, and uh, we work with professional tennis players as well as aspiring players, aspiring pros and college players. And so he handles most of the tactical or technique part of the tennis. I work more on the the uh, the mindset, the mental performance tools, and that's a lot, lot easier to do initially with the independent drills. The key to doing those independent drills, though, are to make them competitive. In other words, you're just not trying to hit a forehand volley uh, down the line. You're trying to hit it uh, five times in a row at a specific spot down the line. So it just makes it more competitive. Uh, And there's lots of ways to do that. Additionally, I do believe that we definitely need to play some games just like a regular games and see then what happens as far as the player's thought process, their mindset, what they think, uh, and debrief after the game, just like they would in a regular match. A lot of tennis is won not necessarily while playing the point. It's won in the changeover. Uh, it's you know gathering yourself. It's being able to to understand what adjustments to make, if any need to be made, and how to keep yourself uh, motivated, inspired to perform your best and to play better actually each time around. And and you know it's it's a, it can be somewhat of a momentum game. And if uh, one starts to get negative, then it can really tank very very fast. And you see this also at the pro level. 
And so that's very, very important. And so doing that is great. I remember a long time ago, I I, uh, read something or heard something that basically what Jimmy Connors did is he just played matches. And that's how he thought was the best way to learn tennis. And, uh, and and I guess he, you know, obviously debriefed and things of that nature. And then afterwards, he, his mom would tell him to run two miles, and he'd go run two miles. And, of course, it worked for him. And, uh, you know, then again, you see like what Richard Williams did with uh, Serena and Venus. And, uh, you know, he basically kept them away from competition play and just worked on their their independent drills, the ability to hit certain shots, and to really understand the feel and touch of the game and and what's happening with their body and their sensation. And those are the kind of things that I'm focused on. I'm focused on their mental skills, their emotional skills, their physical skills, and then sometimes their spiritual skills because, uh, you know, different athletes have different needs. And so those are the four real areas that I'm focused on. So, uh, you know, feeling and, and, and how tight you grip the racket and things of that nature, they all come into play, which uh, don't really come into play uh, when we talk about the technique of tennis or the tactical side of tennis. Uh, so I think it's a combination, but I think also the debrief is, is what's the key there. And uh, that's why I actually put together my book or my workbook, You Raise the Bar Primer Mental Performance Tools, because what makes it unique is that it can be used for any level player and it's customized because your thoughts are unique to you. And so if I say uh, a specific word has meaning to me, well, it may not have the meaning to another player and because we're just all different. And so what this does is that it has a mental structure in it, and you reuse that mental structure, and it may seem repetitive, but after a month, after three months, after six months, you'll see that you've made tremendous gains, and you'll see how your mindset either helped you or was negative towards you, and actually how to look at life and tennis in a larger perspective so that you do not get burned out like a lot of the pro players have. Very good. The way I read that and my interpretation, it's almost like you're doing drills to get better at that. And what you're trying to do in the book is having the your clients themselves, helping themselves getting better by reinforcing over and over again. And and like you said, we're all different. I, I think um, – Back in high school tennis, as you know, well, I think it's all about Florida. You can coach between uh, uh, on changeovers. And I had a uh, young lady that I had uh, worked with from when she, before she came into high school, I took her to two AAU uh, Junior Olympics. uh, And I knew when she uh, got a little uptight, Everybody does it different, and she would start laughing. <laughs> Everything was funny. <laughs> I missed the point. <laughs> and uh, during a changeover, I went to the net, and, of course, they all know, you know, always during a changeover, look for me, and if I'm standing there, you're not come to me. So she came to me, and I didn't notice there was a young lady behind me uh, on the team, And I said to her, I'm not going to use her name because she has children today, uh, but I said to her, if you laugh one more time during this match, 
I said, tomorrow we are going out on the track, not the tennis court, and I'm going to have the trainer come out with me because you're going to run so much, you're going to get sick and you're going to need to get iced. We understand each other. And she went out there, and it's not important what happened to her, but the girl behind her said, Coach Denise, I never heard you talk like that. I think I'd cry if you said that to me. And I said, well, I would never say that to you. But everybody is different. And you have to, you know, and of course that's part of my argument with high school tennis athletic directors hiring a tennis coach thinking you're going to have a, put together a team together in four months because you haven't even begun to learn who the individual is. How are we going to love each other if we don't know each other? Oh, I agree completely. Uh, epistemology research and studies have shown that uh, knowing each other, knowing more about each other than just the fact that you want to be a better tennis player or the other person wants to be a better coach is essential to uh, to actually building that relationship and to really getting into the real meaningfulness of what tennis brings. And usually it evolves and it's a lot different than what's being presented on the surface. Right. You know, let's go into, uh, let me ask you another question and get uh, your opinion on. As you know, uh, a lot of discussion has been about North America tennis, and there's a perception that um, uh, we don't have as many Americans on the top uh hundred there, especially in the men's side. Of course, on the women's side, we're fortunate to have it because we've had two young ladies, like you said, the Williams sisters, that have been living there for a long time. Uh, I personally think that the young group we have uh, might change things. Well, do you have any opinion on, uh, you know, what is your vision of the tennis profession and more Americans uh, being in the top uh, 100, the chances of that. Do you have an opinion on that? Would you rather not discuss it? or? No, 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 I do, I do. Uh, in fact, I remember in Washington, D.C., I think he was 16 years old, and I watched Andre Agassi. This is before he won Wimbledon and everything that he did. And I remember watching him and just the amazing control he had. And then he... Uh, unloaded on a forehand and the whole crowd just went <gasps> and, and I looked at the ball and I couldn't even see it he hit it that hard and um, you know sometimes you just know that you're just seeing someone special and at that time the, it was a night match and girls were with a poster yelling Andre and he had long hair and there were lights uh, flashing because people were I mean it was like a rock concert and uh and it was, you know, the lights were glaring. I mean, it was just amazing. And, and you know, and a lot of players that are, you know, just that super talented and skilled that come out of some of those tennis academies, you know, they're, they're the ones that, that do get there. But most of them don't come through that way. And uh, what I really think tennis ought to do and what I think it is trying to do is very similar to what track is doing now. Uh, I'm uh, fortunate to be uh, involved with some track athletes, Olympic development athletes. And uh, basically 
right now in tennis, it's just too hard to make a living in tennis. And what track has done is that they have decided to have more people participate in track, just like the USTA has in tennis. Yet what happens is once they get to a certain level, uh, college level, or they get to a certain uh, skill level, they are given sponsorships and there are specific uh, coaches out there that had, that form teams, like a professional team. So, for example, here in Greenville is Greenville Track Club. And so what they do is they are coached for Olympic development. They are paid as they enter events, and they also work part-time. And a lot of the sponsorships and stuff help to defer their cost, and they actually earn money uh, becoming a, a bona fide Olympic uh, competitor. And I think tennis could follow the very exact same model, so we would have more professional tennis players. Now, they wouldn't be getting paid the Roger Federer pay, but they would be making some money in tennis. And uh, eventually what that will do is that will create a larger pool of competitive tennis players. And by doing so, that will increase the competition. And therefore, there will be more Americans that will go and play in the Grand Slams and actually do well in them and be in the top 100. So the strategy is a little bit counterintuitive uh, in the sense that you know, the way that we look at it today is is that, well, you know, you either got a talent or you don't. And that's really the, uh, the a philosophy that I don't really like because I think that a lot of players have talents. Uh, it's just that they don't have – no one has cultivated it and no, and there aren't the support services out there. So how this will benefit tennis is, is that there will be more tennis support services out there so that these – pro athletes can get to a higher level of being a professional just like there are for track athletes so it's a win-win all around and uh, I actually believe and I know we talked about this on the phone coach Denise is that uh, uh, my dad for example worked as an engineer for almost the same company for 40 years and he worked at some other companies but basically in the same track and I did the same thing for about 12, and then I started my own business, Liven, and I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm an author, a professional speaker, coach, consultant, a performance consultant and coach. And so I do a lot of different things. And the wild thing is, or not the wild thing, but the amazing thing is, is I'm paid to do all of those things. Now, that doesn't mean I go to one place every day and spend eight hours, ten hours, or five hours. I, I, it just varies on what, what it is that I need to do. But I think also, and I wasn't far away from doing it because I pursued semi-professional basketball, I could have also, and this will happen in the future, someone can also be a professional tennis player, for example. And if you look at like someone like Novak Djokovic or any of the top players, uh, in a way, they're more than the tennis players because they're also business people now because uh, they need to understand, you know, does this sponsorship make sense uh, and, and all of those different things. And uh, so it, it's, it's, you know, where do I want to invest my money and things of that nature. 
And so I just really believe that tennis needs to really find out a way to uh, really distribute the capital or the the income in tennis in the Grand Slams and even from uh, the lesser levels on through so that people can make a living. And, and by no means am I trying to take any compensation away from the number one ranked player in the world. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there needs to be more capital distribution. And the way that that can happen is, is by getting more people involved in tennis and giving them the opportunity to actually make money being a professional tennis player. Well, I, I, I tell you, I wish I had this conversation before I had the, uh, uh, the workshop in January with the high school tennis coaches because I those three days of training that I did there, and on one of the days of the meeting, I said, let's think outside of the box and trying to get them started. I threw and What do you think of, I was thinking of Ed Kras, who uh, – uh, runs a one-on-one tournament that I personally loved, and he contacted me, and he won, a high school player had, uh, I think, came in second. There was prize money there. And, of course, in college, you could take up to $10,000, and he says, can I give them the money? And I said, well, uh, under our FHSA rules, you wouldn't be able to. When I brought it up, I said, when people say, Coach, that's way out of the box. You know, what are you, you know, you're, what are you talking about? But uh, uh, I think I'm starting to, I guess I'm I'm not too old to think outside the box because I'm starting to agree with you. And I see these things. And uh, uh, when we had Ashley Hobson on, I think the last week in uh, January, and I asked him the same question, uh, where do we, uh, is there blame and where does it go to? And he says, right at the top. I says, excuse me, and most people don't want to address that. He says, right at the top, uh, we've got to redistribute the prize uh, money because uh, you don't think your high school kids understand that they have a better chance of making a living in baseball or basketball or football than there is in tennis if you're not in the top hundred. So uh, this is the second time this came up, and uh, hopefully if we get enough people listening to our broadcast and maybe um, the right people, maybe we'll start thinking outside of the uh, box. So, uh, boy, you caught me off guard with that, but uh, I do appreciate your remarks. And the more I hear, the more I'm starting to uh, lean that way myself. Let me ask you a question. We have, uh, I can't believe we've gone through so much time already, but we have about five minutes left. What I'd like to do is give that to you and just tell the people how to get a hold of you if they uh, need your service. And uh, and anything you want to talk about, but uh, for the next four or five minutes, uh, just you know, the, the microphone is yours. Okay, thank you, Coach Denise. Uh, one thing that I'm asked is what, what's the difference between a pro level player, college player, high school player, and a recreational player? And the main difference, regardless of who I'm uh, performance coaching or consulting with is their mental skills, their mental performance skills. 
And uh, that is something that is just amazing. And if you just look at all the different levels, because all the pros can hit the ball, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, sure, there's, you know, some things that they need to do here and there. But, you know, they can hit the ball. Uh, The challenge is, is, you know, why isn't that second service consistent? And you may think that it's technical or it's because of technique. And it very well could be, but really it's mostly mental. And, you know, I can give you an example. If you've ever gone in a match, and I'm a tennis player, and I have, and, you know, using my workbook, I've really learned what to do when this happens. But, you know, I have to close out a match, and for whatever reason, my serve's not working, and I've just been fortunate to where I'm in a position to close it out. And so I need to figure out what I need to do. And I've been on that service line where, you know, I'm basically shaking on the inside, saying, thinking, you know, if I lose this and the minute I start doing that kind of thinking, then most likely I'm going to lose or really make it very, very hard for me to win. So I've really learned using my workbook how to do that. So that's really the biggest difference is the mental side of the game and uh, at each level. And uh, I work with all types of athletes and uh, it's the same for any of those athletes, whether they're basketball, track, football, soccer, baseball, uh, and tennis probably is more mental than any of those. Uh, and, of course, that doesn't mean that you don't need the technique and the and the tactics because you definitely need that. But I also think by learning the mental side, you actually make tennis more fun it becomes more real, it becomes more challenging, it becomes more rewarding because you get out of that mindset of just thinking it's all based on talent and on uh, these other things. If you can find those support services, and I still go play and I go to the park and I see people taking lessons all the time, and I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I guarantee you if they grab, not guarantee, I think guarantee is too strong, but if they had my workbook and talked with a performance consultant and a performance coach, uh, they could be that much better of a tennis player, that much faster, and they would enjoy it so much more. Uh, the way to contact me is, again, I have my company live in, but uh, my website is uh, motivateresults.com. Uh, you can also click on motivateyourresults.com. And uh, there's also rajgavrola.com forward slash tennis workbooks and programs dot html. Uh, so that's uh, those are all my websites. And uh, uh, of course, uh, you can always give me a call at eight six four five six nine two three one five. My email address is raj r a j at r a j g a v as in Victor, com, And, uh, again, I work with all levels of athletes. My Your Raise the Bar Primer Mental Performance Tools workbook is for any level of athlete. I use it for the pro level, college, high school, and recreational player. And, additionally, I'd like to close Coach Denise with this thought. Is uh, And here's where, you know, my approach is this way. Uh, If you look at Clemson football, they won the national championship this year. I went to Clemson. And, uh, you know, Coach Sweeney has a certain approach. And 
it's an approach of being mentally uh, performing, of being uh, having responsibility, and of having fun and enjoying and learning and continuing to get better. And he's put in that process in place, that culture, and his players love it. They perform in it, and obviously it worked. Uh, whereas you look at Ohio State, which is another very great program, one of the best programs in the country, and Urban Meyer, one of the best coaches in the country. But their mentality is totally different, their approach. Their approach is you never quit, you never give up, you just keep going, you keep going. You're Ohio State, you're supposed to be the best. And those are two different approaches. And, uh, you know, one of them is is geared differently. Uh, I think it's more of a talent approach and trying to dig down into a person. Uh, however, uh, my approach is more the Clemson approach, and I, I believe that you do have talent, but I think anybody does if you just cultivate that talent and give them, and this is the most critical part, is give them the support services. I know a lot of athletes who – because of injuries, they have not progressed. And because I know this, uh, uh, because they, they, they go to the orthopedic or someone like that, physical trainer, and you know, it, they're set up to just keep you working unless you're at a very high level and because that's how they're incentivized. However, nowadays, because of the the – what people have seen that uh, we're not getting enough movement because we have such a sedentary life sitting behind desks and things like that on computers that people are, you know, running more, they're playing tennis, sports is becoming more of a, of a way to stay healthy and vibrant and live a great lifestyle. And, and now what I see is there's more advancements in sports performance therapy uh, and that is amazing because a lot of the things that uh, would keep someone out now doesn't keep them out because they have the support services. So the bottom line is is that if you want to continue to aspire from a recreational to a high school to a college to a professional level, you need the right support services, and that will include not only your family and friends, but that will include your tennis coaches, your peers, your and then your your uh, performance consultant or performance coach and other support services like performance therapy, advanced medicine, things of that nature. So, and then of course all of that um, includes your your nutrition and your physical uh, conditioning. And so, with the right support services, uh, you will see more and more people the competition will become greater, the talent pool to select from will be greater, and therefore American tennis will be in the top 100 again, more more tennis players. I think if we get it through to high schools, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. And I've always, and I, like I've told the high school coaches often, that you, are, you have that, and I've never coached college, but i um, my belief is coaching high school is a lot different and harder than coaching college because somewhere between Ohio State and Clemson might be the answer. Who knows? But if you're from 
the Ohio State, you recruit the people that think that way. If you're from Clemson, you recruit those people that you're looking for. In high school, you you get what comes at you. Uh, I remember my first life was coaching uh, high school basketballs, and something that I would sometimes get parents come up and say, uh, Coach Denise, you, the last three years you did it this way. Why are you changing this year? Well, I was changing because of the talent I had. There were certain things that, depending on the personnel, I could do certain things with the personnel of the incoming classes. Uh, I was able to do those things. So I really believe if we're going to do this, uh, we have to do exactly what you said. But it doesn't start later. It has to start right in high school, I believe. Right, and, and, and additionally, the approach is is that that's very important because think about your life and the people that meant a lot to you. It was your teachers, your coaches, and if you have spectacular teachers and coaches and uh, people of that nature, mentors, that give you the right approach, then you can take that approach and apply it into other areas of your life so that you see that it's not just all based on talent, that by doing, having the right approach, the right support services, and of course your own uh, drive is very important. And so I also, Coach Denise, uh, am a keynote speaker, a motivating and inspiring speaker for tennis banquets, conferences, conventions. Uh, I can see uh, why, because you do an outstanding job. And this is why I wanted to bring up – uh, Tim Tebow, who uh, has been a favorite of mine, and I think he, but he understands better than most people that the football was a vehicle for him to go out and do the things that were more important to him. Uh, he's down here in my neighborhood now with the New York Mets and spring training. And you hear the discussions and arguments back and forth if he is uh, really going to be a baseball player or not. And then Monday's news conference on uh, first out of field, he says, at the end of the day, I know that's not why I'm here. It's not my biggest purpose. It's not my biggest calling. It's not how I want to be known in my life, Tebow said. It's not as a football player, as a basketball, baseball player, as someone that worked hard to accomplish those things that needed. I want my life to be so much more than just that. I want to be someone that was known for bringing faith, hope, and love to those needing a brighter day in their darker hours of need. That is something that a life calling for me, and it is much bigger than sports. But I am so grateful for sports because it's given me a platform to be able to share and love and care for other people. I think that's the message. He says it so much better than we can. But this is what this broadcast is about with our mentors each week. Tennis is a vehicle that can help you get through life's journey. And truthfully, I I believe all sports can be. 
And only a few of these people are going to get to the top level. You know, how many Heisman Trophy winners are there? How many All-Americans are there? How many people, a lot more people play football than uh, and baseball and uh, basketball than play uh, tennis. But I think the conversation we just had, if you listen closely, and I hopefully you'll tell your friends to listen to, Raj showed how tennis could be that sport, too, that goes in there. I think the lessons that tennis have to offer are actually, I won't say far better, but it's an individual sport. And in every sport, you're an individual out there competing, but you're usually competing on a team. In my lifetime, I played football. You're going to have 11 people. If you don't do your job, it's going to fall uh, apart. Uh, but somebody else doing their job, I don't, might not hurt it as much. In basketball, if somebody wasn't doing things the way I wanted it, I would have another person go in, explain to them what I wanted, and I would take that individual out and i say, why are you doing this? Watch this individual that I just put in. This is what I want you to do. See that, see this, and then you put them back in. In tennis, the great thing about high school tennis, and I wish college tennis could get back to it too because I think so few people make it where they can make a living in tennis, at least if you play college tennis, you're going to have an education and be able to go out and get a job. But you are part of a team. You're respecting each other. You're learning to uh, you know, how difficult it is to be a good teammate. And sometimes being a good teammate is saying, John, you're goofing off today. The team can't afford that. Let's get with it. Uh, you know, learning to say no. I always tell coaches I think the hardest thing for a coach to learn and the most needed thing is to say no, no, that is not the right way. No, that is not what we're going to do tomorrow. No, I know you would rather practice that, but we have to work on this today. And I think good coaches are a little like parents. It's hard for parents to say no. And um, I think uh, we're seeing the results of that in society today, but that's another uh, subject. I would well, remind- I think also, Coach, Coach Denise, is that we need to learn – we're in a new age now, especially with everything that's happening globally, locally, statewide, nationally. And we're in a new age. I mean, it's the age of inspiring, authentic dialogue. And that's what we need. We need to have inspiring, authentic dialogue with each other instead of trying to negate each other or trying to make one another go in a direction that we want to go and by having that shared dialogue, that's what really brings the more rewards, the more uh, the more uh, zest, and and the actual living that robust life, a better life, and making a better living, uh, and having a better future. So that's uh, what I would really, really want to see from everyone is to be able to have inspiring, authentic dialogue with one another. I think I agree, and I think we have an advantage because we have, we're a little bit more prosperous than other people in the world. I went to college late in life in the uh, 60s, 
But I was, I seen then, and I, I don't know today because I'm not there, but I don't know if Americans are good listeners. I would go to lectures, and I would find most of the people there were not, were immigrants in that, that uh, college rather than people that have been in this country a long time. I think too often, rather than listening to the other person and digesting what they say, like you just said, we're we're ready to sit there and give our views. Well, listen, let me tell everybody, first let me uh, thank you so much for uh, covering. I think uh, those of you that are listening, and tell your friends uh, this is a worthwhile broadcast, and I'm, I'm so blessed to... Uh, be able to have you on today, Rod. But next week, we're going to have another one of our mentors, uh, Coach Chuck Greasy, uh, speaking of Clemson, the uh, Hall of Fame uh, Clemson coach, uh, has uh, more ACC wins than uh, any other uh, tennis coach. And today he's at the Citadel. And, of course, being it's going to be the second uh Thursday of the month, uh, we will have uh, Coach Chuck Reese with us that uh, on that time. So please tell your friends. Uh, p- please keep Alan Fox in your um, prayers uh, tonight, and uh, give me a little time to get this broadcast up because uh, I, I do admit, because I'm slow getting into the 21st century, uh, I usually have this stuff done to uh, put on after. I will share it uh, on uh, our social media, and I'll share it with uh, all the coaching organizations that I'm a member of. But I am going to have to, uh, you know, make a few changes. And um, I will, I don't know who we're going to have now uh, for the fifth week in uh June, but uh, I think you've learned now uh, that on those fifth Thursdays, you're not going to be shortchanged. Uh, we have great people lined up, and we're blessed that uh, Rod was able to sit there and step in a few months. So I thank you for listening. Have a blessed week. Tell your friends that uh, we will be on again next Thursday, and I look forward to talking with everybody. Take care. Hope to see you soon, Coach Denise. See you soon. We'll be talking soon. Take care.